Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. First of all, apologies last week for having no podcast. Uh, Luke had a few audio problems with a new microphone and uh, ended up recording the whole thing. We didn't discover that the audio uh, was kind of, you know, it was unpublishable. So uh, we are going to cover a little bit more on today's podcast uh, to make up for last week missing it. So just apologies for that. Uh, We haven't missed a podcast since we started, uh, you know, a few years ago. So, um, I'm sure if any of you are used to seeing the podcast come up in the feed, you might have been surprised not to see it come up this past week, but no problem. We'll keep it going this week, and I'd like to give an update on our GoFundMe. Uh, This is for the advanced course. So far, we have raised over, um, on the GoFundMe page itself, we've raised $8,905, which is great, Uh, and then we've received about another uh, $3,000 via PayPal. So that puts us just around $12,000 raised. We're trying to get to $50,000 by the end of November. Now, um, it was it was comparatively slower this week, although we did get a $500 donation from River Nixon and um, a $500 donation from John Barry Whitaker and a $500 donation from Kim Thomas the previous week, along with uh, a couple of Uh, anonymous donations as well, which we really appreciate. And of course, $500 or more is effectively a pre-order of the advanced course. Uh, And so you can think of it like that. Think of it as, you know, if you pay $500, you'll get the advanced course as soon as it comes out. And uh, not just as soon as it comes out, as soon as it's prepared. So uh, I'm going to give some updates about that. But like, as soon as we have something to show you, we'll send it to you. Whereas if you know you don't make any donations, that's fine. But you'll um, you know have the opportunity to buy the advanced course when we officially publish it to the public. So um, you'll get like a preview if you make a five hundred dollar or more donation. So if you'd like to make a donation, uh, you can check out the links that I left in the show notes just below. Um, now. I'd like to give you some updates on how we're doing with building it. So last week, I did a uh, seven-day, aka 168-hour-long water fast, which if any of you have never uh, gotten into fasting before, I can highly recommend it as a uh, sort of health tool, but not just because of health. It also helps you focus. Uh, I found that I got so much done last week. And so I have a lot to say about where we are, where we're at with the advanced course and really the upper intermediate course. So um, as I mentioned previously, we decided to break it up into an upper intermediate course and an advanced course. And the upper intermediate course is going to go up to 2000 characters. It's going to make sure that you cover everything that's in the new HSK's four through six. So by the time that you finish the upper intermediate course, the accumulation of those 2000 characters from the foundation course, intermediate course and upper intermediate course, plus the words you learn from there will all be enough to cover all the content in the HSKs one through six and then some. There's actually a fair bit of um, HSK seven and eight and nine material in the upper intermediate course, but that's just because of the way we build our course. As you know, we like to uh, introduce similar props together. So if there's a brand new prop you've never seen before, we'll just go ahead and teach you all the remaining characters you're going to need with that prop. So some of that will include uh, the occasional HSK 7, 8, and 9 character. But that's just good. You're just getting ahead of the game in that case. And then uh, 
we know that the advanced course will be about another thousand characters. Now, there's some really interesting stuff that we found about this. So one is that there are 1,100 words that come from the HSKs 4, 5, and 6 and are made up of characters that come from the foundation course and the intermediate course. So those 1,100 words are going to be peppered into the uh, upper intermediate course along with the new characters and the new words that get unlocked from those new characters. So this is really kind of exciting. And the reason why I like this is because uh, you you get a chance to solidify your knowledge of the foundation intermediate course characters while you're learning some of the new characters. And um, we also I also spent... Uh, you know, two days taking those 1,100 words, and again, because I was super laser focused in this uh, fasted state, I ended up uh, in two days managing to figure out how to present them in an order that is makes perfect logical sense. You know, there's actually of the first 895 characters, I believe, or maybe it's 843, I can't remember, but um, the first 800 plus words all have at least one character in common with the previous word. So, you know, there's always going to be that sort of sense of connecting to what you already know. Uh, so it's really exciting. It's going to be uh, an amazing course. And that's just the upper intermediate course. Uh, so what I'm doing at the moment is going through all of the words and making sure that we have all the usages for each word. And then we have one of our writers who's kind of like catching up with me on that. So, so I'm writing out these... Uh, or I'm putting out the usages and she's writing out the sentences, you know, maybe a few weeks behind me, but like she's still going through and going to get through all of that material. So that covers levels uh, 60, oh, sorry, 58 through 67. Now, actually, level 58, we're going to include in the intermediate course. We're going to just tack it onto the intermediate course. But then levels 59 through 67 is going to be the upper intermediate course and cover. Uh, the about 435 characters. So it'll be up to 2,000 characters. And we have those characters planned out. We know what words we're going to unlock. And uh, it's a matter of writing the sentences now and um, getting the recordings done. I have our uh, assistant starting to build the course on the back end. So the upper intermediate course and getting some previews about it is uh, in the foreseeable future. Uh, I'm not going to say that it's necessarily going to be this month but uh, certainly over the summer. So um, the if you'd like, again, if you'd like to get access to that early, you can make a donation uh, via the GoFundMe uh, link that we left below and help us get the advanced course out uh, sooner rather than later. So, uh, and of course, once I'm finished with um, making all the usages for these different words for the upper intermediate course, then we will. I will go in earnest to the next final thousand characters to get the advanced course out. Now, also as another point about that, it it, it only takes another thousand characters to cover all the material in the HSK seven, eight, and nine. But we will add some levels to the end of it eventually that are the highest frequency characters that aren't covered by the HSK because there are definitely a lot of characters that the HSK doesn't require but are good to know uh, and you know at that point it's pretty advanced none of them are like absolutely essential but you know imagine you have 3,000 characters there might even be another 500 characters that you're going to see from time to time and just getting them under your belt will be helpful in the long run but uh, that's the plan and uh, it's going really well. So thank you so much to everybody who's donated already. That's a big help 
to our motivation there. With that in mind, let's go into some of the comments, emails, and questions. Now, if you're new to the Mandarin Blooper podcast, this is the part of the podcast that we do every week where we answer comments from the course platform itself, from the community forum, or sometimes by uh, email. So we'll start with Scott Schneider in the community forum. He says, I'm looking to spend approximately 10 weeks in China once I complete the course. I'm considering either Beijing or Chengdu. I'm seeing a lot of mixed thoughts. One of the biggest is that Beijing speaks the more traditional Mandarin with a lot of R sounds, and it can be difficult to learn in Chengdu with the Chengdu local dialect. Also, seeing people say that with a lot more foreigners in Beijing, you can find yourself speaking a lot of English, which is not ideal or desired. While there, I'm also planning to enroll in a school that offers group and private teaching six, six hours per day. So any recommendations on where to attend would be great as well. Any thoughts at all would be greatly appreciated. All right. Well, you know, I'm in a particularly uh, decent place to answer this question because uh, I am a person who has lived in Beijing and currently lives in Chengdu. Uh, so I have uh, definitely have some thoughts about this. Now, first of all, both cities are great. Uh, you'll definitely enjoy yourself. Um, there is a larger expat community in Beijing, uh, and there's kind of more to do in Beijing overall, but um, the expat community here in Chengdu is smaller, but uh, quite uh, tight-knit. You know, like people uh, have a lot of events and lots of things to do. Uh, it's not, you know, again, it's just an order of magnitude lower than Beijing because Beijing is such a huge city. And so there's you know, there's such a big expat community in Beijing that, like, you could not possibly, like, get involved in all the things that are going on there. Uh, whereas uh, in Chengdu, there's a sense that, like, you could kind of know all the things that are generally happening with the expats around town. Um, so it and also, you know, Beijing being an international city, there are more Chinese people who speak uh, English. So you're right in the recognition that the temptation to speak English is higher there. Now, you're also correct that the Chengdu dialect is not is, is quite different from Mandarin. Now, it's still a northern dialect. So you can imagine um, that when you hear two people speaking Spanish, and one of them's from Spain and one of them's from Mexico. They might have quite a lot of words that are different and sound really different at certain points, but certainly the language family that they're talking in is, is related. And that's kind of what uh, is like, you know, so versus like clearly those are two related um, ways of speaking the same word, uh, but it's, you know, the pronunciation is quite different. And so that can be an issue. However, I would remind you that everybody, uh, pretty much, except for the uh, older generation, can speak Mandarin. And so if you're talking about people who are in your same generation, they're going to be speaking Mandarin uh at least they know how to. So if you speak to them in Mandarin, they can speak back to you in Mandarin. You can always ask them, uh, could we please speak Mandarin? It's you know, no problem. Uh, so that shouldn't be too much of an issue. And also remember, you can learn Mandarin from anywhere in the world. <laughs> you don't have to be in China. So the fact that you are in China means that, and that the people can speak Mandarin, means that there are plenty of opportunities to uh, have language exchanges. There's like English corners where people will speak Mandarin and English in a language exchange type of uh, capacity. Um, there's uh, loads of tutors. There's free classes you can get. Like I used to do this thing when I was at Sichuan University uh, studying where there were these there were these classes where um, you would have 
uh, a free 30-minute to hour-long class with a teacher as long as you gave them a little evaluation afterwards. So, like, they were training to become a teacher, and they would just give a class. You give a quick little evaluation, and you could have the class for free. And those are, those are still around, I'm pretty sure. So that's something you could try. Um, and you could do that in either Beijing or Chengdu as far as I'm concerned. Now, what about some of the other sort of X factors? Like, I really – I want to kind of just say that I wouldn't worry about the um, language side of it. You're in China. There's plenty of opportunities to find people who will speak Mandarin with you in both places. So I really wouldn't worry about it too much. Um, I think that that's not that shouldn't be your primary concern. Um, now, Beijing is a massive city. It's just huge. It's like you know New York pales in comparison in size to Beijing. Like it's just such a massive place, and it doesn't do serene. Very well, uh, which is to say that there, you have to go quite far outside of the city before you can find a quiet place. And I mean, may not be that important to you for only six weeks, but uh, it's just the hustle or ten weeks. Sorry, the hustle and bustle of Beijing is pretty intense. So uh, that's something to consider. It's you know louder. It's there's a lot more, and you know, in the same token, that means there's a lot more going on. Uh, there's you know. Uh, a lot of food and all of that. But then again, Chengdu has some of the best food in the world. And Chengdu is also a massive city, but it's more contained. Like you can kind of uh, get around the whole city fairly easily. Um, they both have a set of ring roads that go around the center of the city. Um, Chengdu has been uh, creating, it has become the parks city of China. So the central government has decided that Chengdu is going to be the uh, city with the most park area, parkland area of any city in China, which is going to make it the city with the most parkland area of any city in the world. So it, they're doing a great job with this. It's great. Uh, they're um, building this these big, long stretches of uh, park where you're basically like riding your bike or, or running or walking through greenery while surrounded by a bunch of modern architecture in southern Chengdu. I live in, near this area, and it's just very livable. It's wonderful. It's like you're walking around, and you're just like, wow, I'm in uh, a place that's nice and beautiful to look at because of the uh, – greenery and the you know the lakes nearby and the uh, birds chirping but then I look over and I see a bunch of brand new buildings like and there's the global center which is the largest building in the world and the financial uh, district and century city and like these areas that are uh, you know all the buildings are under 10 years old and you're just walking through this and just like wow this is a uh, fantastic and so uh, I think that Chengdu is a, a great place I think the people here are friendlier uh, and I the food is just unbelievable. So um, there's certainly more that you could say about Chengdu, uh, but I would I'll keep it at you know you you're not going to go wrong with either choice. Uh, and the advantage of Beijing might be that there's more to do. Although with only ten weeks, you're not going to do all the things you could do in Beijing. So like perhaps Chengdu is the better choice. Uh, that would be my recommendation. So thanks to Scott for the. Uh, question in the community i like i enjoy talking about those two cities next we have a question uh or a comment from jason pond on level 31 complete so he's making great progress only about five more levels to go before he's completed with the foundation course so uh in the level reviews we write a little bit a motivational 
section slash, you know, kind of where are you at? How you doing? And so he, he writes here, I feel this was written for me. And then he's quoting what we wrote in the lesson. He said, you've already seen a lot of the old amongst the top down words. You likely already have a feeling for it, but we suspect you've still got some questions about it. Advice time. Don't worry about it. Okay, we know. That's annoying. We're adults. We want to know why things are the way they are. And I understand why Jason says he feels like it was written for him. It wasn't, obviously. We, uh, um, you know, we just know that that attitude comes up uh, a fair bit, which is like, why is it like this? Why do they use Joe all the time? And, you know, it doesn't seem to follow a consistent pattern. How, do, how does it work? And the thing that is so funny about it is that when you look back, after having gotten loads of comprehensible input, you go, why was I so worried about this? This is like, it's just a character that you get a feel for. Um, just like almost everything, you know, you don't learn a language, you get used to it, right? And so you, there's a sort of dawning familiarity. That was something that uh, was said by, uh, in another post that's coming up a little bit later. And that's kind of the, I loved that that phrase, dawning familiarity. It's like it doesn't come up instantly. It sort of slowly brightens in, inside your mind where there's a sense of understanding that comes just from exposure. You're just seeing the language, seeing jiu come up all the time. And eventually you just have a sense of like, I should throw it in here. And then you just say it. It's wild. It's like it's kind of it's one of my favorite experiences of language acquisition is that you you don't think to yourself, I'm going to know where to say jiu and I'm going to plan it out. It just com comes out because you've seen it in context enough and your brain is smarter than you. That's a weird thing to say, but like, it's like your unconscious mind is smarter than your conscious mind. So like you can just trust it to a large degree. Um, and so that's why we say, don't worry about it. Just keep noticing it in context, keep understanding the sentences and, uh, but don't try to overanalyze. Why is it this way? Because that's just going to uh, cause you to slow down too much and not keep getting more comprehensible input. Next, we have a comment from Lin Ford on vocab unlocked from Gong Yuan Gong and Gong Ren. I enjoy trying to guess what the word means before I look at the definition you guys have listed to see if I can figure it out by what I already know. I was like, Yuan Gong, member of work, member of work. Hmm, what could that possibly mean? I keep asking myself that until I finally was like, nope, not going to guess it. What does it mean? When I scrolled down to see the meaning, I almost spit my cold brew out, laughing at my own stupidity. Just, just such a blonde moment, lol. How could I not get employee, like right away, shaking my head? This is why I need Mandarin Blueprint to help me. Otherwise, I fear all hope would be lost for me, lol. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, What's so cool about learning Mandarin is that, you know, it sometimes like you don't see the word employee and understand the etymology of that. I mean, I don't anyway. I'm sure that some people maybe might know why it why employee means some somebody who works for somebody else or a member of work, right? But what with Chinese, you see yuan gong and yuan means member, uh, like a member of a club or a member of whatever, and then gong means work, so member work member of work, right? And so you see that and you go, oh, th that's the essence of what an employee is. They're a member of a workforce, right? And uh, when you see it in Mandarin, it kind of just, it, it goes over even such basic concepts with you and reminds you of what they are in their essence. And uh, I love that about that, about learning a new language. It makes you a clearer thinker in the long run. So, um, and you know, it's no problem to not recognize those things. Sometimes if anything, that's an example of how 
in our mother tongues, we sometimes take for granted that we know, uh, you know, certain concepts um, when really there could be a deepening of understanding of even basic concepts like an employee, right? So that's pretty cool. Thanks to Lynn for the comment. Next, we have LK on nasal final Yung Dian Yung Ming Tian. So L or he or she says Ming Tian. I also got really excited when I learned Ming Tian was tomorrow and Ming was bright. Then I realized Ming was just Ri, sun and Yue. So I think it's actually tomorrow because tomorrow is after a complete rotation of the sun and moon. <laughs> sad times. Well, I mean, uh, not necessarily sad. That's kind of cool too in its own way. I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case um, because Ming doesn't mean tomorrow by itself. Uh, it means bright or clear. So, uh, it, you know, that might be true. It's an interesting speculation. But uh, I always thought of Ming Tian on the level of the word, meaning bright day. So, like, it's an optimistic look at what tomorrow might be. Um, but, uh, you know, it could be the full rotation of the sun and the moon. But that what the problem with that interpretation is that it's assuming that the word definition is applied to the individual character. But there's no reason to think that. So um, anyway, uh, that's an interesting comment, though, from LK. Red Louise Bick on special effects and memory athletics. Can I ask if you have had any aphantasic no visual memory students before? And do you have any tips to help someone with aphantasia get the most out of the course? Right. So certainly aphantasia is one of the bigger uh, impediments to using our method because we do a lot of visualization in the mind's eye and aphantasics uh, can't do this. However, that doesn't mean that the course couldn't be um, useful because think of it like, what's the alternative? The alternative is to rote memorize. Is there anything between visualization and rote memorization that could be used uh, that is more effective than rote memorization? I think the answer to that is almost definitely yes, but it's going to require a bit more legwork because... You know, so uh, this is speculation, and so perhaps uh, if Red Louise is um, an aphantasic and wants to comment on this, you know, you know that people who are blind, for example, tend to have an increased awareness of their sense of smell or hearing, or people who are deaf have an increased uh, sense of sight or hearing or whatever. Like their other senses get amplified because they're missing one of them, right? And so... I don't think that an aphantasic can't have other sense memory. So like smell memory or, uh, you know, some tactile memory, um, audio memory, right? So I think aphantasics can like hear sound in their, like, I mean, ima- like, you know, I can imagine bum, 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 just in my head without having to actually hear Beethoven, uh, you know, or a, a, an orchestra playing Beethoven's Fifth, right? So it seems to me that an aphantasia could apply the audio sense memory, the tactile sense memory, the smell sense memory, the taste sense memory, uh, and use those to attach to the different elements of a character. Now, uh, Mandarin Blueprint, obviously, we built it based on the idea of you have the sense of visual memory. And so we built the course around that, but theoretically you could replace the different elements of learning a character with tactile smell, taste, or audio memory. And so that to me is still better than rote learning. 
So my advice would be to see if there are ways to instead of, you know, imagining Chuck Norris in your mind's eye as the representation of the Zhen side component, maybe you have, uh, I don't know, Chuck Norris saying something uh, as a phrase. Um, you know, I, I'm not, it, it's hard. The thing is, though, I definitely will say it is hard for me to imagine. Like, as soon as I say Chuck Norris, I imagine him, right? And so it's like the idea that you can't do that, I, you know, it's one of those things where it's hard for me to imagine what that experience might be like. So I say, take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt because it might not be possible. I'm not sure because um, I can't really directly experience it. But I will say that that to me um, is the best tip I could I could have for that. There's also a um, discussion on the community forum that people had about this uh, that was pretty enlightening. So um, that's my answer for red there. Lynn Ford on Hull in context is Eming used in... When referring to what you do and not just a name of your name, like if it was any other occupation, like a police officer, would it be So Yiming will always be before a title or occupation. It's often used in occupations. So there's three primary measure words for people. Gu is the most common. Then Ming is another one, and Wei is another one. So uh, Wei is like a respectful term. So like you could just say Wei if you're – like a lot of times restaurants will say Ji uh, Wei na, like when you walk in to mean how many people. And it's just to be there uh, a restaurant, being respectful to the people going to the restaurant. So they're referring to the people as Wei. Now Gu is the standard uh, measure word. It's the universal measure word. And then – uh, Ming usually refers to a person in some kind of uh, a group of some sort. So, like, because it could be like, uh, would be a student. Now, a student, not, it's not their occupation. So, you can't say it's occupation, but it could be a title, I suppose. So, it's mostly that they're amongst other people who are in a certain group, like police or uh, drivers, right? And then that there's known as Ming, like as if you had a list of their names, right? Uh, that's how I kind of, kind of imagine it. Like, here's a bunch of students, and there's a list of the students' names in the class, and so uh, that's why you use Ming as opposed to uh, Gu. And so that's the kind of way you can think of it, but just, just those three measure words. Um, Gu is just for people in general. Ming is if you're one of many in a group. Uh, it could be a work group, could be a student group, could be a group of a, cl a club or something. Um, and then Wei is just extra respectful, um, but could be applied to anyone, but it's extra respectful. Jeremy Marie on Deng in context. Ni Deng Wei Xia. Would it be more respectful or soft to instead say it like this? Ni Deng Wei Xia Ba. Examples. Ni Xian Deng Wei Xia Ba. Ke bu ke yi Xian Deng Wei Xia Ma? That's an incorrect sentence. Ke yi ma fan ni Xian Deng Wei Xia Ma? Yeah, so the second sentence there, 可不可以先等我一下, is where you need to end it. Do not add ma if you say 可不可以, because then it's a, you've said yes or no, like can you or cannot, uh, you wait for me for a moment, right? And so uh, you don't add ma if you do that uh, verb-bu verb structure. So that second sentence is out. Now, 你等我一下吧, 你等我一下, 你等我一下。That's the original one. Um, 
by saying isha is just saying for a moment it's kind of soft already um but you know by saying uh is fine that's adding the suggestion at the end um you know the most polite of these would definitely be uh um now you could add that as a question you know as has been done here by jeremy uh, that is fine. It's a little bit overly polite at that point. Like, it's kind of like, I mean, I guess you could do it, but it's, that's, a, could you please, could I trouble you to first wait for me for a moment? Uh, and, and then asking it, like, it's like, it, it's probably just better to just say, um, right? Like, so you're not asking it as a question in that case, but you're being very polite. You're just saying, uh, Please wait for me for a moment. Ma fani, Like I'm troubling you, trouble you. So like I'm. It, that's what's polite about it. You're saying I'm troubling you to wait for me for a moment. But like I don't think you need to add all that extra fluff. Um, you know I don't find that this is more of like a cultural thing. But I don't think that Chinese people they'll just be. Like, it's almost like they'll be like, okay, yeah, it's like it's no big deal. I'm just gonna wait for you. You know. So um, yeah, that's what I would say about that. Next, we have Keith Travis on Welcome to Phase 2 Chinese Words. Very excited to begin Phase 2 vocabulary acquisition. Phase 1 went smoothly. I can easily remember or confidently reconstruct from memory every character and word presented. Wanting to time things out like in month 1, month 2 fashion, I went back over all the units and Anki decks in order to discover just how many example words and characters have been presented so far. I have written each and every character from all sources now, at least once. There's a bit of overlap, of course, and I discovered that I was able to sight-read the majority of Phase 1 example sentences from It's a Word sections, even though I have not yet developed memory of reconstructing the writing in most cases of the top-down words introduced. It is very rewarding. The connections are coming in all over the place, even where I am wishing to retain each and every word on site, I understand by the Henzi movie method success that it will be rather simple to go back and memorize all of these things using those methods in addition to who who knows how many erstwhile connections I'm making in the meantime. I just want to stop here to mention that you do not need to go back and memorize any of those sentences. You don't ever have to memorize a sentence. Um, memorizing sentences is uh, unnecessary and kind of a fool's errand because sentences are infinite. The number of characters you need to learn is not infinite. The number of words you need to learn is not infinite. But potential sentence combinations are literally infinite. So there's no need to memorize any individual sentence. Now, there are going to be some set phrases that you'll end up using, but you'll naturally end up memorizing them. So I would recommend that your attitude, and we're going to talk about this in phase three a lot, but your attitude towards sentences ought to be just get as many as possible and try to understand them. That's it. All right, let me continue. Writing all of the characters down brings an amazing sense of noticing a dawning familiarity with the range and proportion of writing to come, and the importance of strongly establishing props for the future of acquisition. There is a great similarity between the use of radicals as well as Chinese keyboard system using components ranging between, beyond the 214 standard radicals, and I can see how this is thoughtfully chosen Mandarin Blueprint system of props has been chosen even before moving on to phase two and also radicals are a, an outdated thing they're for looking up characters in paper dictionaries so i, I wish that radicals would just go away in people's minds because it's just a it doesn't matter they, they, they're done radicals are over they don't matter anymore um okay continuing through and through everywhere i look is coherence and familiarity both within mandarin blueprint and without as regards the greater world of systems and language 
For those who are curious, by the end of phase one, there are something on the order of around 800 words presented in all of the materials thus far. This is very approximate as so many words contain two characters and as there is good overlap between the pronunciation phase one and Anki sources. Incredible. It's just incredible how accessible this is becoming even before phase two and eventual hence movie method mastery. I find myself able to construct a broad array of well-intentioned sentences even though we have yet to dive uh, to deep dive grammar soon enough to come. Thank you, Luke and Phil, for creating such an extraordinary process and platform for bringing coherence to the study of Mandarin. I'm so excited to see how things evolve through month two. Yeah, that's really exciting, Keith. Uh, I, I like how uh, deeply you're delving into it, and uh, it's interesting to hear that kind of analytics. I didn't know that we had 800 words that came up during that bit, but I did. I do know that the sentences that we used in the It's a Word and New Vocab Unlocked uh, for Phase 1 and Phase 2 were a mix of the vocabulary you're learning in phase one, along with the pronunciation mastery vocabulary. Uh, and so that alone is enough to kind of give you a sense of things. And what I'm actually most excited to hear from what you said there was that you actually could kind of understand a lot of those sentences, despite the fact that, um, you know, we haven't even gotten into uh, grammar at all. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, it's one of those things where uh, that's, the whole idea behind learning a language bit by bit is try to keep it related to stuff you've already seen and solidify. So you're constantly bringing in new information and solidifying and bringing in new information and solidifying. And that's what happens throughout the entire Mandarin Blueprint method. That will never stop as long as you get to, until you get to the end of the advanced course, you're constantly going to be, you know, not only learning new stuff, but solidifying that which you already have learned. So, uh, and then you just move in from there into native Chinese material. So it's all very exciting. So thank you to Keith for that, uh, uh, great uh, comment. Next, we have Ryan Syed on Chunian in context. This is the first time I'm learning the grammar of a language by acquisition with supplemental lessons in between as opposed to the traditional lesson first, then practice way. To be honest, I don't mind either way. However, it's really cool to see how this natural acquisition method works. In this case, I was reading Then I saw the translation and asked myself, wait, then how would I say one month or two months? And then I realized, oh yeah, it would be or sorry, it would be That's a weird thing about Mandarin. You couldn't have known that at this stage, but you never say arga. <laughs> weird, right? But you always say liang. And there's it's an exception. There's no other situation where it's true. You say sanga, you say siga, you say wuga. But when you are dealing with a pair, you do not say arga. You never say arga. You say liang. Liang. So uh so technically no, that's not correct, but that's you couldn't have known that. That's It's one of those weird exceptions that we explain later in the course. Anyway, continuing, he says, And then I thought to myself, how did I know that? Then it hit me. We had a sentence earlier. And that's how I knew. By the way, if I had to go three months without rice, that'd be terrible. <laughs> anyway, so cool to see how feeding your language module works. So once again, we have somebody who is, uh, you know, effectively seeing how their progress is going, which is important. You know, it's not actually necessary. Like you don't have to know that you're progressing to progress, but if you feel that way, then that is hugely motivational to showing up the next day. And as we know, showing up the next day is huge. It's uh, something that's a, a major part of what makes success in the long run with a project like this. You have to just be at the table with the Anki cards up or with the, uh, you know, course platform open that's the only way to uh 
to move forward without, um, you know, even if you don't feel like it, just the fact that you're there, you're showing up. So, uh, great comment from Ryan there. Ryan Syed again on level 14 complete. He says, also, it felt so good to be able to understand the hanzi of 等一下,我们的想法是, you're awesome. Thank you so much, Luke and Phil. Yeah, I always tried the beginning of the level review email slash level review text on the actual lesson um, to, to write a sentence that's made up of characters you already know and just like, just show you, you can read this, right? Um, so uh, that's uh, pretty cool. I'm glad that you appreciated that because I always, you know, I would sort of think about it because it's quite difficult to write sentences that are that restrictive. Uh, luckily now when we're writing sentences for the upper intermediate course and the advanced course, it's much easier for our writers because it's just like, well, they, at this point they know 5,000 words. And so, you know, it's pretty pretty simple. But yeah, thanks, uh, Ryan. We appreciate you uh I do appreciate you pointing that out. Next, we have Rick Santos on Make a Movie for Duan. Now, this is Rick. He's going to talk through a uh, method that he uses to go through the um, the course platform that's a little bit advanced. So, like, let's just see what he does to try to learn characters more quickly because he's got a cool idea. And he's responding to John Nomura. So, he says, yes, John, I do look ahead. In fact, I use the all levels section when I review. And there, I can see all the characters in succession and what comes next. From there, I could get a sense of what Luke and Phil are going to teach. I do appreciate the extensive deliberation and debate between them on what characters to put in the list. Then I just skim and go through quickly two or three characters' lessons to see how related they are roughly. Then when I study the lesson proper, I also continue to read the vocab unlocked lessons so I can better get a sense of the words, or their different senses for that matter. In the meantime, the movie scene is building up. And then when I make the movie, I would try to see if the other related vocabs and usages can be fit into the story to help me differentiate their usages and meanings. Disclaimer, I only gradually started this way a little before the intermediate level when I could read the sentences more readily. Of course, spurred on with the joy of being able to read with comprehension more or less. I shared only some characters because... Many others are corny and might not easily be relatable due to different backgrounds and history. Yeah, yeah. So this is, I like this because, you know, when you learn a new character, being able to quickly see it in the context of several other char uh, characters and several words can really give you a sense of what the character is about. And, um, you know, this is probably something that someone like Jessica M would want because she's uh, constantly kind of uh, questioning our use of keywords. And I always want to be like, go to the next lesson and see how the... Uh, the character is used over and over before you question the keyword because sometimes the when you see it in several different words you kind of get a sense of it you know you get a sense of what it's all about so uh, I like what Rick's doing there it's a smart way to um, go through it and I like also that he's not forcing himself to have to have the uh, to have to have the full understanding of the word set in stone uh, or the character I should say set in stone before he moves on to look at some of the future uh, lessons, he lets it just sort of percolate in his unconscious and then goes back to it. And that totally works. So it's a, taking advantage of how your brain naturally works. I love that. Chris Adrian on problem initial SH, sure, as a conjunction. I second the comment above about how helpful it is to have the real life neutral tone of sure pointed out. Knowing it's okay to pronounce it that way has helped me speed up how quickly I can say simple sentences. Yeah, absolutely. So like there's this um, thing with um, 
pronunciation where you you want to be kind of because because pronunciation is so formulaic you know you can say it's the pinion initial plus the pinion final plus the tone right and uh you see shirt is fourth and you go shirt boo shirt shirt boo shirt and you're like well that must be how i should say it uh Right? Like it's like you kinda can have that, but it's it's really Right? It's kinda quick, mostly just fifth tone, right? And just the fact that you can know that will allow you to speak much more quickly. And it's quite nice uh, figuring out that stuff. So thanks to Chris for pointing that out. Rick Engelin on make a movie for Yo, which is oil. He says, Can this refer to edible oil and motor oil? Yep, it's just oil. So any kind of oil. Uh and they are pretty much straight up. It's just Shiryo, uh, shi meaning food. So shiryo is you know some kind of food-based oil, uh, and then tio um, or um, yeah, shiryo. So shiryo is like the more crude oil, and then tio is gasoline, right? So uh, you'll get a sense of that as you move forward. But uh, yo by itself just means oil in general. All oils are uh, in the category of yo. Jasmine Laman on it's a word for ma. She says, so, mama, mama, ma, actually is a sentence? Uh, technically, yeah. It's not something that you'd probably ever say um, because it means, did mother scold the horse? And how often are you going to ask that? But, um, but uh, and you might put in l, right? You might say, mama, mala mama, right? So, like, that would probably be what you would say because usually when you're asking it, uh, You'll ask if it happened, and that's what l is there for. But technically, the sentence is uh, grammatically correct. Uh, that, that happens a lot. You know, there's a lot of sentences you can make that are grammatically correct, but nobody would ever say because, you know, how often are you going to say that? But yes, that is actually a sentence. Keith Travis on Welcome to Phase 3 Simple Grammar. He says, was very happy to have begun Phase 3 with a clean bill of health from the preceding phases. That being said, I was relieved to drop some surplus habit of writing down each of the example sentences. It wasn't with the aim of memorization so much as just getting a dose of writing training, which I personally enjoyed. Yet all the same, not really feasible to maintain as the sheer volume of new sentences appears to be dramatically increasing. That's right. On another note, I'm relieved to discover that my erstwhile habit of paying a little more than recommended attention to sentences in early phases appears to be paying off specifically with regard to Mandarin Blueprint Phase 3 orientation. It is quite easy to read these sentences now after so much practice, albeit well below native speed. I've been playing with the Link website and gauging my progress by that means as well as by means of sample HSK tests from a few sources. I appear to be quite solid at the HSK 2 level now and really entering HSK 3 territory, so to speak. I'm still unable to read a lot of the lowest level of link material because of absent vocab, but still quite easily able to pace along with the reader and at least connect back and forth on the page. I've also been looking up character frequency and word frequency tables in a way of planting some realistic anticipation in mind moving forward. I'm pretty thrilled at just how many characters and words I recognize from these tables, both in the thick of the most frequent as well as decreasingly intermittently through to about the 500th or 600th most frequent words and characters. Obviously, however, there is a lot of gap to fill, so to, so to speak. After having mastered the Henze method here, I was also rather pleased with having begun to use the Mandarin Blueprint Henze movie method to start memorizing the radicals. Although I have, I'd memorized the meanings quite some months ago, I was not able to get the pinyin, 
nor the written reconstructions correct, not by far. Using the Manor and Lupert Hansen movie method, I was able to simply look at one radical at a time in a set of Anki cards I'd scoured for a purpose and spend about 30 seconds to one minute drumming up a scene for each radical, and then got almost immediate reinforcement and to my delight correctness as the cards came round again. I imagine this will be much the same case after finishing the Manor Blueprint Intermediate when it comes to using Anki to fill in thousands of words and characters. There are quite a lot of extracurricular vocab and sentence sources for Anki. At any rate, now that I've dropped my now surplus habit of writing all these sentences, I can use my free energy to smash through phase three. I estimate it will take about one week to review, write new words, and set up Anki accordingly before moving on to phase four, while relying on phase three Anki to do its thing. Having scanned ahead at phase four graded reading, I am super duper excited about getting to the next batch of good stuff. The graded reading setup looks perfectly manageable and I intend to spend quality time with it and related sources in as what I regard as the first major bridge to cross with becoming confidently able to understand the impromptu speech improvisations of native speakers. Yeah, sounds great. I mean, like, obviously, Keith, you're doing a lot of extra, extra stuff to uh, sort of expand your understanding. And I would never uh, encourage you to uh, not, you know, do that. But I will say that, like, radicals are not important to learn. Uh, you're going to learn all of them through the Mandarin Blueprint method, and then some because radicals, again, why are radicals? Why do they exist? They exist to look up characters in paper dictionaries. And they're often somewhat randomly chosen. It's like you look at a certain radical, and you're like, why this as opposed to uh, this minus a stroke, you know, it's sort of, sometimes they're a bit random there's it's just it's an outdated form of looking up stuff so i i don't think that the radicals have any any special uh under like any special significance so i would just say that as you continue forward with the mandarin blueprint method you can just look at the props in our decks you can you know go ahead to phase four and phase five and download the anki decks and look at the props uh if you want to get ahead on that stuff but i totally encourage you to like look ahead see what you have coming next uh and you know feel good about that so that's great jeff johnson on level 15 complete so happy to be done with another level i'm still considering the possibility of copying the vocab in context deck in anki modifying it so i get a deck that plays audio only and using it for listening practice i often feel like my listening comprehension is low so maybe that is what i need to do to perk it up some starting a new version of the vocab in context decks feels daunting though and I want to trust that I will get through it without going to such measures well you know you of course get all of the audio files in a zip file at the end of each lesson including at the level 15 complete lesson which you can have on in the background which should help with your listening comprehension um, making the decks that have the audio play on the front is perfectly fine but they're quite time consuming to use so uh, I it's not feasible to do that with every single sentence. So perhaps do that with sentences that you find particularly interesting or particularly difficult to understand. And, um, but don't do it for all the sentences because you won't have enough time. So I would say that that would be the way to think about that. Um, but sure, that's cer certainly fine. Next, we have two comments from Kate Gans, which are related to the duh, de duh phenomenon. And we'll go into both of them so that she can uh, understand the difference here. So for the sentence, should the d duh be replaced with the day duh. So like there's these three duh that get used. There's the one that's the possessive. That's the really common one. Uh, but then there's two other ones. And the, the first one is the character that is also pronounced D sometimes. Of course, they're both pronounced duh in this case, but like, it's just a way of distinguishing them in audio. So the one that's also pronounced D sometimes, uh, and then there's the one that's sometimes pronounced day, but there, and so which one should you use here? Well, this is dan dan de shuo. 
So dan dan. So dan means like kind of uh, diluted or or lackluster, right? So dan dan de would mean lacklusterly, or uh, you know, so it's, it turns adjectives into adverbs, right? So like, um, you know, so by saying shuo, be by having it come before shuo, that's when you use the di de because that's for turning adjectives into adverbs. It comes before the verb. Now the other the one that's also pronounced day comes after the verb and it describes how the verb happens. So like, let's move on to the next question where she comes up with that. So I'm confused why a similar sentence from Pleco uses the day. Duh. Here, day turns he drives with care into he drives carefully. Right? So I need to think about this one more. I'm mixing up duh and duh. Yeah, so in this case, um, so carefully, uh, care, xiaoxin uh, means take care, right? So it's a verb, to take care. You need to xiaoxin right? Like you need to be careful, right? So xiaoxin de. How are you being careful? Very much so. Now, de is kind of a, um, it's somewhat colloquial and it isn't, not everybody says it, you know, around China. Like, um, so um, usually somebody would say, same de, right? Um, or sorry, sorry. That in that case it would be the different de. It would be the d de, right? Because it's it's the adjective. Because xiaoxin can also be an adjective. So it's like part of the confusion here is just that these these different words can be verbs and adjectives. But uh, just think of it like this. This is the the, the way I I always think of it. I just take the character pao, which means to run. Pao de hen kuai. Run, run fast. That's the day, right? Because it comes after the verb. Now, happily run. That's the d because it's coming before the verb, right? So, um, that's the day, that's the d So, I use that as my just quick, which one's the right one to use? Are you happily running or are you running fast, right? So uh, think of it like that. Tofu Miao on Vocab Unlocked from Hai. Hai will buy paula yi tang. This part is stumping me. Pleco has buy paula yi tang as to make a fruitless trip, which makes a bit of sense, right? So buy is the character that means white, and it also has this sense of in vain, which is what you're getting here. So like, you know, there's nothing to it. It's just a, you ended up getting just a, just whiteness. There's no color to it. It's, it's in vain, right? So it kind of has that sense of, um, Hai wo, bai pao le yi tang. So, pao le yi tang is to go to a place. You know, yi tang is a measure word for trips. So, qu yi tang Hainan, go to Hainan Island for for a trip. And that's what the yi tang means, right? So, bai pao le yi tang would mean to make a fruitless trip to to go somewhere in vain. So like, uh, you know, go pick up uh, some throat lozenges. You go to the uh, pharmacy, uh, we're out of throat lozenges, and so you buy polyetang, right? So that's uh, that's what that means. Matt Schubert on chulai in context, he says, can chulai also be used in the figurative coming out as a gay person? I have an image along this theme as my living link for the phrase, but was curious if it can actually be used this way. Thanks. Yeah, so I mean, like, we say coming out, which is short for coming out of the closet. So the actual word for coming out of the closet in Chinese is chu gui, 
because guizhi is like a, a cabinet or closet or whatever. Yigui is the official word for like a clothing closet, right? And so chu gui is to mean to come out of the closet, which means to come out as a gay person. So you wouldn't just say chu lai uh, for that. You would say chu gui. Pedro Juan Barber Perez on Vocab Unlocked from de, ji de. Hi, please, can we use ji de and ji de zhu in the same way? Is there any difference? To negate ji de, should we use bu ji de, or is it better to use ji bu zhu? The, um, so, bu ji de is negating ji de. Like, uh, I don't remember. Well, bu ji de, that's what that means, right? Um, but ji bu zhu means I can't memorize it. I'm unable to memorize it. So that's the infix of the verb plus bu plus result. So ji zhu means to remember and have it live in your brain. Stick it in there. Ji zhu. Zhu means to live. So you ji zhu means to memorize. Like I've got it and now it lives in my brain. So that's the result. Ji de zhu means it's possible. So ni men ji de zhu han si. Tongguo. So, um, through the Hanzi movie method, you are able to memorize Chinese characters, right? And so, that's what that would mean. Now, if I said, uh, I don't know, something that's, you feel like, I don't know, maybe some math problems or something. If you're not good at math, you might say, well, 记不住. I, I'm unable to memorize this stuff because I'm no good at it or whatever. But Bujida is just like, I don't remember. I do not remember. Jida means remember. Bu is a negation. So Bujida means not remember. So Wo Bujida, I don't remember, right? Sim simple as that. Um, now, Jida and Jida Zhu are not the, exactly the same because Jida just means remember, whereas Jida Zhu means able to remember. So again, that's the distinction we're looking at here. So for Pedro, I'd recommend that you look at our word structure uh, lesson on affixes, which you can find in the sidebar of the course when you're on your desktop computer. So like from phase two. Rick Engelin on Taman in context for 这群小猫, Taman 非常的可爱. Could one also say 这群小猫非常的可爱? i.e. omit Taman. Yes, uh, that's fine. You know, it's just a convention of speech. There's, It's not necessary because the sentence that you wrote here, Rick, uh, there's your subject. Uh, there's your predicate. Simple enough, right? Um, now, if you want to... Uh, sometimes when people are saying these things, they want to try to make sure they're clarifying this group versus that group or whatever, and they you know, they set up the subject first and then they make a full sentence comment on it, right? So they'll go, uh, Like this is a very common thing to, for people to do. And uh, it's just a speech convention. It's, it's both are fine. Vocab Living Links section. This is the part of the course where people give their recommendations for remembering individual Chinese words. So there are at least two or more characters and they come up with like maybe a, an image or a, a connection to the sound or something like that. And this is um, what helps people memorize individual words more quickly. JA on vocab unlocked from Tian, Jin Tian, Ming Tian, Mei Tian, Bai Tian, Tian Xi, Ben Tian. In Zootopia, the sloth DMV worker takes forever, like half a day, just to stamp one form. 
So yeah, that's that ban tian idea. And ban tian can literally mean like 12 hours because that's half of a day. But a lot of times it's more metaphorical. It's like, I've waited for him forever. Ugh. You know, so uh, that's the idea there. And I would say that um, when uh, we're talking about something like ban tian, that's a good connection there because of course a sloth is like that. And in Zootopia, they did a particularly good job with that. Uh, so, excellent suggestion there for Ben Tian from J.A. Christopher Weeks on Vocab Unlocked from Qin, Mu Qin, and Fu Qin. Monica and Ross's parents from Friends. The father, meme from IT Crowd, and mother from Archer. Okay, all right. So, um, yeah, so, like, these are just some suggestions of connections you could make. Monica and Ross's parents from Friends, the father meme from IT Crowd, and the mother from Archer. Yeah, like, I think in this case, they're just sort of uh, ideas that might be able to more quickly have you make an association. And Mu um, Qin and Fu Qin, they are uh, the more kind of uh, formal way to say mother and father. You know, we, we, we know Baba Mama are kind of like uh, mom and dad, right? You know, dad and mom. But uh, saying mu qin or fu qin, that's like, you know, mother, father, a little bit more uh, formal. Christopher Weeks on Vocab Unlocked from suo, suo ye or suo yo. Argos or Walmart, everything under one roof, suo yo. Right, yeah, and uh, so suo ye. What I always found with suo ye, which is the other word here, is that it kind of sounds a little bit like so. I mean, like, obviously, you know, so... Right, like it's it's not it's at least got that s and there the o sound is in there and obviously there's some extraneous e there at the end uh, which you don't have in the English but I find that's sort of a simple thing there is sometimes it's the simplest of connections you can make it sort of sounds like the English word right <laughs> and I like that connection to Argos or Walmart I've never been to an Argos but Walmart certainly fits that uh, structure Darcy Malone on vocab unlocked from Jue Jue Rodin's sculpture, The Thinker, which is in Philadelphia. I've uh, passed by it many times. And, of course, 觉得 means to think or feel. So I'm that guy thinking, feeling. It's a good connection there. I like that. Carrie Woods on Vocab Unlocked from 住,记住. I used the still of Mufasa saying to Simba, remember who you are. It helps with remember, but also the song He Lives in You plays in my head when I think of that, which helps with the second character. So the still of Mufasa saying to Simba, remember who you are. Yeah, that's a great moment from Lion King. So I think that having that in your mind will help you remember, remember. It's getting super meta over here. All right. J.A. on Vocab Unlocked from Zui, Zui Hao. Images, the for best Olympic medal podium for had better... Santa Claus is coming to town, so you had better not pout. I like that, yeah, because zuihao, of course, means, it could just mean it is the most good or best thing, but it can also be like uh, your best course of action. You had better, you know, and so having that connection to uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. I like that. It's smart. Jason Pan on vocab unlocked from gu, guzhong, and guzhong, guyang. I had a hard time coming up with ideas for this. Eventually landed on Every type of Pokemon. Yeah, you gotta gotta catch them all, right? Yeah. A picture of all the Pokemon types, grass, water, fire, etc. Nice. And then Yang. All kinds of vegetables and fruits. It's such a pretty picture to see an array of fruits and veg laid out to form the colors of the rainbow. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's a really good one because uh, of course it's connected to food. We eat food all the time. Having every all the different types of uh, food is an excellent um, 
way of doing things. Very good, very good. Good living link su uh, suggestions this week. Please keep giving those each week. Any suggestion you have in the vocab living link sections, we love those. First movie scene share comes from Hank Elliott on Make a Movie from What? And he says, Ip Man, M actor, is in the kitchen tone of my grandparents' house, Oset Old. He has some hemp prop in his hand prop and he is rubbing meaning it on my grandparents joints as a part of chinese medicine healing i know that massage is called anmo press plus rub that's that's right so yeah basically i love this so he's got the hemp in the hand he's rubbing and he's doing an anmo uh for his grandparents who fit with the set uh for o there so this is an excellent scene simple too right um, and so just gets right to the point. Excellent. Christine on Make a Movie for Tan. My friend, C actor, now works as a waiter. The restaurant location is outside my grandmother's house, which is the AN location. The guest is Dr. John Watson, the yo prop. The C actor waves the magic wand, the bull prop, and a giant owl, the C prop, comes swooping down, carrying a dinner napkin, the shi prop with a bowl of food, keyword meal, tied up inside it, much like storks deliver babies, and drops it gently in front of John Watson so he can enjoy his meal. I love it. Yeah, there's everything that's very clear about this. Um, you know, you can feel the kitchen napkin there. The magic wand serves a purpose. Um, you know, everything is uh, quite clear that the giant owl dropping it off like a stork, so, but it's, uh, you know, working in that restaurant-type way. I love it. That's awesome. And th this is great to have a scene like this because Tan, of course, is one of those uh, characters that has four props, which we try to avoid, but sometimes it's unavoidable to have uh, at least four props. So great uh, scene share from Christine there. Will Rayleigh on Make a Movie for Ha. So the character Ha just means Ha Ha. Harry at A's front door. The Rolling Stones, ma Stones mouth prop rudely points and laughs Ha Ha at Harry. Harry gets out his Hellraiser puzzle box, and its black magic sucks the mouth into it. Harry laughs, ha ha, the last laugh is mine. And of course, last laugh, I like that. So yeah, that connection to that idea as well at the end. Great scene from Will. Claire Murphy on Make a Movie for Zai, which means again. Zubidi, character from the Magic Roundabout, not at all trippy 1970s UK kids TV show, <laughs> is in my brother's guest bathroom. Props, cigarette, fake comedy mustache, and pot of soil. Nice. Nervously preparing to shoot a scene from the Magic Roundabout, he lights a cigarette and puts on fake tash, which face uh, fake mustache, which droops, looks in the mirror, and frowns at himself smoking. Sighing, he once again vows to stop smoking and stubs it out in a pot of soil. Yeah, no, I like that because the idea of quitting smoking is sometimes something that people go through again and again, and it can be really tough. And so, like, having that moment there is a good connection to again, because, of course, again is a very abstract concept. So, yeah, I like that. Nick Sims on Make a Movie for Joy, which is, this is the component that refers to turkey. Like, it's kind of like a... You know, turkeys and poultry in general and and as a character itself it's not that common but it's very common as a component so it says the joker is outside grandma davis's which is the set there and the joker is the actor watching his personal friend mr t left side component and ip man the uh, inside component spar in hand-to-hand -hand combat 
Itman easily wins, and upset by it all, Joker throws an exploding ninja star, which is the final uh, horizontal line stroke, at Itman's gut. A short-haired bird owl comes <laughs> comes to eat the scraps. <laughs> I love you actually put a little little owl icon there. It made me laugh. That's great. <laughs> so perfect. That's I love that scene. Nick Sims on make a movie for Jun, which means accurate or precise. The Joker is in the bathroom at Karen's setting up the perfect trick with a freeze gun. So the freeze gun will be the left side component. Karen's the set. And the Joker being in the, I guess in the bathroom, he's having the bathroom be third tone here because this is Jun, like third tone here. But regardless, it doesn't really matter. He points the gun at the ceiling, creating a massive set of icicles. With the water dripping, it attracts an owl, right side component, who licks the water sitting just under the icicle. Joker looks on with glee as the icicle breaks and kills the owl with a precise hit. Splattering blood all over the room. Okay, it can be a uh, you know PG level claymation uh, in your mind's eye if you want, but you can also make it as gory as you want. Um, but uh, yeah, precision. Yeah, that sort of like precise icicle hit. I like it. So that covers all of our scenes for this week and all of the questions. Thank you so much for uh, listening to the Mandarin Blue Burn podcast. And if you'd like to donate to our GoFundMe, you can do so uh, at the links provided in the show notes and we will get the advanced course out sooner and you can pre-order it by any donation of $500 or more. So thanks again and we'll see you next week.